Hey everyone, welcome to Conviction, where we feel a conviction to discuss questions and topics surrounding church culture, ministry, and just general life as a Jesus follower. My name's Parker. My name's Caleb. And today, our kickoff question is, should we have youth ministries? And I'll start it off just by saying that the question started off because youth ministries aren't really mentioned anywhere in the Bible. So we'll just start off there. Uh, Caleb, do you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, I mean, like, should we have them? Should we still have them? Like, we've obviously had them for a period of time now, that sort of a thing. I would say a good way to start looking at it is realizing and recognizing that it's not necessarily a new concept, even when we look back in history, to have ministries that are designated for different generations and things like that. One of the things that sometimes we talk about in church history is almost this idea of, like, youth ministry is a modern construct. That youth ministry is this like brand new modern construct that like defies what scripture models for the church and that sort of a thing, which could be in partly true, in part true, but there is also the reality that you look at like the way that the Jewish temple and tabernacle and things like that operated and that in part had it where you had young boys who were going and they were getting trained up in the scriptures in different ways than they were then when they were adults and things like that. So there's definitely precedent for having age specific ministries and things like that. And just the reality that adults are different than kids and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, millennials and Gen Z did not create like this dire need where we just said everything has to change. Um, It is actually kind of funny because for some people, the ones who might say they don't want youth ministries probably really benefited from youth ministries at times. And so the idea of them being totally new um, is a little inaccurate, but it is true that the Bible doesn't give us like guidelines for them. Like, Hey, a young, a young man and woman should be in a time of training with the scriptures until they are 15. And then they can graduate to the adult service where they can sit entire time like that's not like present that's not precedent and that sort of a thing yes sir and so i think there is a reality then that we have to look and ask ourselves you know what does it look like then to have a healthy youth ministry and if you don't have one what's the alternative what is the different thing that you're going to be doing that sort of a deal um yeah do you have any thoughts kind of kicking us off within that too yeah like i i think just from the get-go and you already kind of touched on it is that like I think we do need youth ministries and I think it's mostly just because, you know, the needs of, well, I don't know. There's probably differing opinions on this, but like, I think the, like you said, the idea of, um, having specific sections in the church that are dedicating, dedicated to minister to a specific people group, whether it be age or whatever, um, is not a new concept. Um, now when I think of the type of ministry that type of ministries that took place in the Bible for youth, that obviously looks way different than it does now. Obviously we're in the, now in the 21st century and obviously things are different, but, um, so I don't know, like people back then, like, and obviously this isn't what we have now, but like boys at the age of 12 were considered men and needed to have like vast chunks of scripture memorized. And like the standards were, uh, very high 
you know, whether that be bad or good, I'll let you, I'll let you decide. But like, um, that's not what we have now. And so in terms of, um, so that being said, it does seem that like, um, while I think that we need to treat youth ministries as like a group that we should, um, minister to separately and specifically, I do wonder what it is about, um, our modern day youth ministries, why they've come to look the way they are and what needs that those were aimed to meet. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I know that makes sense. I mean, like one of the dynamics too, I think is we're kind of starting off the conversation is even with some people, they would look and say like youth ministries are failing. Like in the sense of like statistically we end up seeing like lots of kids who maybe even grew up in youth ministries are walking away from faith. They're not stepping into those things. And to that, I would kind of pose the analogy or the metaphor of if you have a car that has a bad driver who keeps running it off the road, it's not the car's fault. It's the driver's. And I would say within youth ministries at large right now, we've had a lot of bad drivers of youth ministries for some time. And the car might not be broken. We might be looking and saying, we need a new mode of transportation. We need a bike. Well, guess what? The car is faster. You just got to be disciplined and learn how to drive it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that in some ways, that's the same thing that we're facing within youth ministries today is, you know, hey, do we still need to have these? These aren't working. This isn't effective. And like as as a youth pastor, there's a part of me that would maybe look to some youth ministers and just say, hey, like, are you driving the car well? Are you actually stretching yourself to learn to be a good driver? There is a difference between somebody who can competently get from their home to their work and back. There's a difference between a person who maybe then could go and they could drive an RV across a country and back for a giant road trip. And there's a difference between somebody who would drive in like an F1 or a NASCAR race and that kind of a thing. There's different... You know, it's like, hey, there's levels to this thing, like that kind of an idea. Like, mm-hmm. and it's not in terms of saying people are better or worse or things like that, but I do think there's an a- aspect of it that's looking and saying, hey, this is not failing. The tragic reality is that we are failing this thing a lot mm-hmm. of the times. And so I would say, like, maybe a way to even start thinking about it should we have youth ministries if you have someone who can drive it well? Mm hmm. Like if you have the wrong person in that role and just in all, all honesty, like there's a lot of bad drivers in youth ministries. Like um, one of my kind of personal thoughts and themes that I've thought about for a long time is, and this is not to be a knock on anyone and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I think there was a lot of people within youth ministry probably in like the mid 2000s to mid 2010s that just kind of taught stuff a little weird, brought some interesting angles to it. Um, and I think it was at large youth cult- ministry culture. Like, I don't think it was the intent of people, but they learned some bad driving habits. And it led to an amount of hurt within the church and ministries and things like that, that now we're having to look and say, hey, 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 sorry the driver wasn't the best. This is a new driver. This is a new generation of people, things like that who are trying to fight for that. Like an example within our church movement um, would be like, you know, maybe if we were to talk about like the Holy Spirit and that sort of a thing. I think at large, there's a lot of people in you and I's 
age range all the way up to like let's say 35 who had a lot of really poor experiences when it came to the Holy Spirit, whether it was at youth or at maybe a youth summer camp or at things like that, because there was people who are not equipped to actually help lead through those moments and they just led kind of shooting from the hip and they were just kind of driving blind and it caused some confusion, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's where, again, I would just say, you know, should we have these? Should they be a thing? Yes, if you have the people who can lead it. The worst thing you can have, though, is a bad driver behind it. Right. So, like, if you're in a church, I would argue, like, if you are in a church that does not have a system set up to replace people as they step out. Like, if I, like, if tomorrow I had to leave our youth ministry, um, there's a number of people that could step up and help lead and I believe could help keep it healthy. They could help manage. And as the Lord leads, like, they would be able to figure out, hey, who's going to be the main driver now? Who's going to be helping lead this? And we'd be able to move forward. Um, it'd yeah. be a process, all those things. But like my church growing up, uh, we had our youth pastors, um, vacate their position for a number of reasons and that sort of a thing. And then it took a long time to get a new youth pastor in that role. And that was for a lot of different reasons. But in part, one thing I appreciated, they didn't just bring in anybody because they didn't want to bring in somebody that was just going to burn the whole thing to the ground and hurt a bunch of kids, right? Like they wanted it to be the right person, the right timing. Yeah. So like there's some wisdom in that. But yeah, so I would just say continuing on with kind of what you were saying, we need to have the right drivers in the seat. We need to have the right people helping lead it. Um, or else again, the car is just going to keep crashing because the person helping at the wheel is just being negligent. Yeah. I almost wonder, like, I don't know this at all. Like, I don't know the statistics of this, but and maybe you would know more about this. But if I had to guess what pastoral role within the church had, a, had the highest turnover rate, oh. I would guess youth pastor. And I'm not going to go, well, I, I don't know what the reasons are for that. I could make my guesses. I'm not going to, but... Um, like, I almost wonder if that's a big reason why a lot of that has happened, why there have been bad drivers at the wheel is just because for a couple reasons, like a, like, let's just say for somebody, it's a stepping stone type of a role. Um, they're already not, in my opinion, I don't like that's not the kind of youth pastor I would love to have personally. If I was a student, um, you have that position or you have the role where you're kind of just saying where uh, church, like in some ways I think it is wise to have a system where you have people that could step in in some ways, but in other ways, like then you could just have the cycling through of people that, that's not what they're called. That's not what they feel like they should be doing. Like, it's just what they are needing to do, which there's, there's, um, uh, what's the word? Um, merit in that. And I respect that for doing what you just needs to be done in the moment. I get that at the same time though. Like, I wonder if just that turnover rate, whether it be the first situation that I said, or whether it be the second where it's just people just trying to fill in and, they don't know what they're doing because, because they don't know what they're doing. Um, if that just hasn't helped with the process, what are some like, um, when you say, uh, 
bad drivers. If you were looking at a good driver, yeah, what are some like? Obviously, it's a pretty nuanced thing, but like, yeah. what are some like easy? I don't know if easy is a good way to say it, but what are some things that you see in good drivers? Yeah, you know, I would just say like when it comes to people who are wanting to be good drivers of a youth ministry, you know, they're wanting to lead well, lead strong. Like, one, they're aware of the gravity of their role. That's a huge one. There's like your youth ministry. If you're a youth pastor is not meant to be a resume builder so that you could look one day and say, look, I led something substantial. I want to pay raise and I want to go to a bigger church. That's just not, that's not why you're doing it. It's a terrible motivation. Um, so you have to realize the gravity of it. What's the gravity of it? Kids lives. Like yeah. you are helping form and shape the lives of people and I'm not saying that to say, hey, look at you. You're doing something super great. Hey, look at me. I'm a youth pastor. Look at me. I'm so important. Like that's a weight to carry and to realize. Like you can have interactions with a kid that is going to help point them closer to Jesus or is going to drastically turn them away. You have moments of influence and speaking that are going to build someone up or you could make a dumb comment where you're going to tear somebody down. You have to realize the gravity of that. And then – that would be the main first thing. Like, get to realize the gravity of it. I would also say, like, a sign of a good driver is they realize the tools that they have in their hands, right? Like, you know, the main one would be like, hey, like, you have a dependency upon the spirit and upon Jesus. Like, you're not just building a program. Programmic ministry, um, I just think, is dying. I don't think it's very effective. And that does not mean that you don't have a system. But there's a difference between having a system and having just a program. Like, if... I walk like I remember uh, in I think it was middle school, uh, like in sixth grade, we start to learn how to write five paragraph essays. You start learning it, and I got like I think we got red, green, and blue colored pencils. And your intro sentence and your concluding sentence had were red to show that. Then you did like a CD, a concrete detail with a green one and then you did like two lines of uh, commentary in blue and it was to help you see like this is how a paragraph forms. I don't – for my essays now, I don't write like that. I don't even think really much of having CD, CM, CM. I just now think I want to have coherent thought, right? Mm-hmm. But it took time for me to realize like there is a system and there is a flow to this so that now I can operate in freedom with it but it still makes sense and is coherent. And like within a youth ministry, I think it's looking and saying, Lord, like I want to have it where I'm writing in a way and leading in a way that is coherent and makes sense and is engaging. Um, But I don't want to have it just be like, hey, I ordered a curriculum book. Look at me. I can just lead through curriculum, right? Like that's not pastoring really. That's kind of being more of like a daycare leader, right? It's no knock on daycares. Like that's great. That's not the role this is supposed to be. Right. Um, You know, I think it's also being able to empower your students that means you're actually embracing the entire community. Like there's a lot of youth pastors I know that disassociate themselves. I feel like from their students and from their community where it's almost like, yeah, like I serve these people and I pour into these people, but I have like my arm at a distance. And there's something wise about having a little bit of separation and saying like, Hey, like there's lines I won't cross. There are boundaries I will not go over. Um, You know, like even for myself, like let's say tomorrow, God just like very clearly spoke to Sierra and I, and we were supposed to move or go to something different. We need to honor that. So like, I'm not going to look at students 
ever really and say like, I'm never going to look at students and say like, hey, we're here for 10 more years. And then like two more years go by and it's like, hey, God's really calling us to go somewhere else. And it's like, well, you lied to us. Well, so I'm all in. And even if we were to ever leave, I want them to know I'm still all in with you guys because this is a community. This is a community we're a part of. So you have to be invested within the community because also it makes it where you like, carry like, I don't want to crash this car because I don't want to hurt these people. Right. Like I would say that's one of the most common things for myself that like, like our youth ministry just did, um, we just had summer camp season. We did an all night after party right after it. Um, now we're doing student leadership and all these things. And it's like, I in my calendar right now don't have like a, a break until this fall. And it's because I look and say, hey, it's worth it because I'm helping. I, I kind of, it's like, hey, I got to get on the Autobahn for a little while and I'm going to drive as fast as I can to help get us as far as we can go. And then we got to pull off for a little bit, but I'm going to use the Autobahn as long as I can. And I think that's for a lot of youth pastors. Like they don't look and actually say like, how do I help make sure the weight of this role, the tools that I have in front of me, the people that I care about, I'm getting them as far as they need. And that's where then you're looking and saying, Hey, we're student led. Like you are not the most important thing in the room. You are not the most important person. Um, in some ways you're the least, you're just trying to get out of the way to do what kids want to do. Like we had students, um, just ask us the other day, they were like, Hey, we want to do like a Bible study. Sweet. So we're going to launch a Bible study. Um, as long as they're into it and they want to do it mm -hmm. and we're going to jump into that because it was their idea. And they want to be passionate about it. So our community is going to form based off of that, right? Right. Because um, I would rather have the 16, 17-year-olds say, I want to do this, than me as a 25-year-old look and say, you should want to do this. Right. Let's just do what you say you want, right? So I think those are a couple of parts of it. Not everything, but – and I mean I think one of those big things too is like – and I'm still wrestling with this. I think that you can still be a solid driver but not a great driver necessarily – in the case that there's some youth pastors I know where they look and they just say, hey, my calling is to pastor the leaders and the leaders pastor the kids. And I personally don't know if that model leads to longevity for your students because the reality is you are holding a mantle of anointing and leadership for your kids that you do not need to place on your volunteers. Your volunteers are a huge role. Your life leaders, they're huge role. Small group leaders, huge role. So important. But you are a pastor and you need to step into that and not vacate that. Because if you're looking and saying, hey, this calling, you know, in James it says those who choose to teach are judged more strictly. Like in my view, like, hey, that's on anyone who chooses to teach. It's specifically though on the pastor who's choosing to lead. So then to look and to say, hey, like this is all of us. It's like, oh, it's, it's not really. It's not. It's on you. And how can you do your job to help represent that and honestly not become absentee? Because I feel like that's what usually ends up happening. So you can still lead a great thing. You can see great things happen, all of that. But you are becoming less of a part of it. And I think you still need to be somebody who is a like huge part of your community. Like this last Sunday, um, it was honestly – it was really fun. We had it where um, our, our sophomore, junior girl life groups after Sunday service – they were talking and I like walked over and we all just started talking about stranger things for like 20 minutes. We're talking theories and thoughts and things, all of this stuff. And it was super fun. And it was one of these are like, we're just, we're just talking. We're a community. We're a group, right? So that was a lot of stuff. But I'd say those are some of the things. The biggest one being though that weight, 
a lot of youth pastors don't realize the weight they're carrying. Yeah. And they end up looking. I think that's why. I mean, like on average, the uh, the average tenure of a youth pastor in America, I believe, is 18 months. That's crazy. A year and a half. Really? It's it's insane. That's crazy. And like then you look at it and like lawn standings three years. So like when you think about that. So on the very ends of the bell curve, it's three years is what you're saying. Yeah. Or like maybe it would be like, yeah. So like not before you're getting to outlier territory, but like if you were right. to have like that 40% range yeah, that is probably Q2, 18 Q3. months to three yeah. years, which is nothing. You can't like if you're to try to build something. I kind of adhere to this principle pretty heavily, but like I adhere to this principle pretty heavily. Like it's this idea that when people are going throughout ministry and trying to lead something, it takes three years to get started. Mm-hmm. Like year one, you're building trust and finding things out. Year two, you're actually like gaining some momentum and building relationship within the community where there's genuine trust. Year three, now it's like, Oh, we could see some stuff happen. Yeah. And then four, five, six, like you're actually in a groove where you're not worried about building anything. You're just getting to be a part of something, right? And so you have youth pastors who are like literally getting to that point. But the hard thing is then that three years is when also the community can become more difficult. Because guess what? You've been a lot around with kids long enough that now they could choose to leave you. And that starts to hurt. Yeah. And you can be around people. And guess what? You're not this shiny new thing in the room. So now it's like, hey, we actually can be more critical of you. Like, there's a lot of dynamics within it. Yeah. I've gotten to be at our church. This is my sixth year. Um, I start, I was the J-High pastor for two, basically like an associate youth pastor for a year, stepped in as an interim, and then took over. This is my second year as technically like the head youth pastor. But I've gotten to be in a, a leading role from our junior high ministry up until now for, you know, five and a half or so years. Um and like we're just now I'm I'm just now getting to see our community step into some of the things that like I would say three years ago we started fighting for. Mm-hmm. So if like tomorrow I looked and said, Oh, cool, we're seeing some fruit, I should leave, I I'd be a moron. Again, God might speak, I don't know. But there's a lot of guys that just plan for it. They look and say, I'm here three years and I'm out. Yeah. Yeah. I th- so I think going back to um, the initial question, should we have youth ministries? I think our answer is probably yes to start off with that. Just, yeah. just because of the need. Yeah. Oh, probably. it's a huge need. Well, I mean, even when you just think about it, like, like we've all heard the statistic where it's like, I don't even know what the percentage is, but like how many people fall out of their faith once they graduate from yeah. high school and go to college. Like realistically, the J high and high school stage before kids go to college is the last time that you as a church have influence on a kid in their eternity, basically. And statistically. So then I, so it's this, it's this big hole in this big need for everybody really um, for kids salvation. And like either the answer is going to come before they go to college or while they're in college and most of the time I, I I don't know the statistics very well, but I figure if people come to faith in college, I feel like those people are more likely to go longer, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Just a, just a hunch. I don't really know, but 
Um, so obviously we as churches, most churches anyway, they can't, they don't really have much of an influence on the college life, depending on what city you're located in or, so you have mostly, most churches have an influence over the high school and J high phase, which like that's to me, that's why that's such a big deal. Totally. And like, you think about just how like, like no other age is like close to that, like, as close to that, however you say, that pivot point that people have where they, yeah. where the faith becomes their own or it doesn't. Totally. Yeah. Well, and like, it's one of those things too. It's like, it's the greatest, like, it's the greatest field of evangelism that someone can have in their entire life. Like if a kid is in a public school. Oh yeah. You're talking about like, let's say, let's say a 3A uh, so like a, a, a mid-sized school in Washington. So like let's even let's say it's twelve hundred kids, twelve hundred person high school. That is like such a big field of people that you can help reach. Mm-hmm. And like it's such a big stage of influence where you're able to look to a kid and just be like, hey, like, like I always think about this where I just look and I'm just like, if you had three kids in every high school, just get on fire for God. And they just represented him well and they had strong Bible teaching and they had a strong sense of faith and they knew how to be able to share their testimony, encourage people. You're able to see things happen. Mm -hmm. Like you could see like things break out on campuses in terms of like God moving and the spirit moving and things like that, that no adult can bring there that like a student though could choose to. And like, I think about this for, for true life. So like right now, you know, right now, and I don't say I say this more so for seeing the gravity of the need, not for the sake of like saying like here's numbers, but like our youth ministry right now is probably like fifty five or so students, um, which is awesome and is great. Um, like we love it, and we're so thankful to have the opportunity to serve them. We have such a we have a I believe a really healthy community that's being able to see more people step into it. It's just really cool. But with that being said, in our region, our reachable region. A low estimate is that there are 23,000 junior high to high schoolers that we would be able to reach within a reasonable drivable distance. Mm-hmm. That is that is nuts. This is wild. Like we have looked, and again, we're very thankful because we're still, you know, it says like, you know, the, the road is narrow. Yeah. Like, so it speaks to that. But the need is there. Like God then also conversely looks and he says, hey, guess what? The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Right. And it's like looking and saying, all right, we got 23,000 youth that could be reached. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, this is one of my big pet peeves when it comes to youth ministries. We think great things are happening like 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 revivals breaking out, right? And I'm not trying to say that to say I don't like revival or things like that. It's like revivals breaking out, we're seeing great things happen. And it's like, okay, like you have a hundred kids, you have two hundred kids, you have three hundred kids. That's awesome. You know what you made that number say? Twenty two thousand seven hundred. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I say that is like when we look at youth ministries and what does a healthy youth ministry look like? What does it look like? 
it looks like just trying to point people to Jesus and helps them see what is their role within the kingdom to be able to go and reach people. Mm-hmm. And like, I still personally think like there's obviously been um, lots of great movements within church history and things like that. I do not think we can comprehend though at this point what it could still look like to see just the Holy Spirit just meet us in a radical way and just see the masses of students actually come to know Jesus. And that's going to change their families. That's going to change your region. That's going to change so many things because when you like, it's kind of those things like when you have young people starting to follow Jesus, you have people starting to question why they're not. Cause they look and they're just like, what is this? Like they must have something that's changed, something that's shifted. Right. And I look and I just see like for our youth ministry. And I, I always tell this and I always mean this. I have a number written in my office. That I look and I just say, Lord, I feel like that's a number you're calling us to serve. Um, every week at true life at some point and whether or not you open the door, that's okay. I kind of view it through the, I view a lot of stuff through the parable of the talents and it's looking at it saying, Lord, like we will be faithful with the few. And if you choose to bless us with more, we're thankful for that. But God, we are thankful for the opportunity to even get to work with however many we have. Um, and so I don't look at that number and think, wow, when we're there, that means we've made it. I look and say, man, God, look, we've made it today because there's one kid that's following you. There's one kid that's going to have their eternity be close to you. And for youth pastors and ministries and things like that in churches, it's important that we don't strive for numbers. But again, it's important we realize the need that is in front of us. And that's why we should have youth ministries is because that need is so, so great, like you were saying. Yeah. And honestly, it is so much greater than we often give it credit. Mm-hmm. And it can be like, like, it can be like a crippling amount of need. When you really look and you start to be like, God, like, like that's the idea also then of even as youth pastors looking and saying, God, break my heart. And the hard thing I think for a lot of people is what you said earlier. You said it's a stepping stone position. I think there are some people they don't want their heart broken for a generation in a region because they don't want to actually have to say no to what might be next. Because when you truly care about something, you're just like locked in, right? And you look and you say, I'm in this. I'm here. I'm staying. Um, you know, we're doing student leadership right now. We have an awesome crew of kids who's going to be signed up for it. One of my hopes would be that one day, like we have 50, a hundred kids going through student leadership, mm-hmm. not because I want to have a big student leadership, but because I think the impact it could have on their lives and on the lives of their friends, and their families could be so, so great. So it's looking at saying, God, how do we make this accessible? How do we reach more kids? How do we make it better and better and better? So more people can step into it. But yeah. So it's definitely, yes, we need it. There's a great need for it. So in terms of like, I guess a direction we could go is, I don't think neither, I don't think any of us know the answer to this. So maybe that may be a good conversation bit. But uh, what do you think are the things that we as youth ministries are not doing or are doing whatever um, that we need to be doing in order to reach the 23,000. Yeah. It's a big question. I know that's a big question. Yeah. I mean, I think first we need to pray more. Yeah. Just genuinely like, like prayer is powerful. Like we have to believe it causes a change and a difference. 
If not, we are just like any other religion that has religious acts that we do to think we need to do them to please God. Like we don't do it to please God. We do it to partner with God. We do it to plead to God. We do it to reach out and say, God, we want to see this happen. God, may you shift our heart. May you see this take place. So I think we need to pray more. You know, for for our ministry, you know, something we're going to probably talk about in September. And if you're listening to this right now and you're a leader, you get, you get a sneak peek. Um, we started last fall doing post-service prayer instead of pre-service prayer. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big shift, honestly. I agree. And I think that it really, like if you look at that moment, it is a moment where the ministry started to shift and pivot into a new season and direction because people were interceding and praying. And like, you know, we kept um, we kept talking about last year and like through times of prayer, like, hey, this is going to be a year where we see breakthrough to see something break out and like it's funny because you get separated from a statement and then you look back and you say wow i get to see now how that statement's played out right i would say this last year we were seeing breakthrough happen and this summer we're seeing some stuff break out in students lives students feeling called to ministry students wanting to have a burden for their friends having a burden for the lost having a burden for a deeper relationship with god and like we're seeing stuff happen the seeds were planted in prayer the seeds were not planted just in like, hey, let's have a cool invite night, guys. We're giving away an Xbox. You should get your friends there. It was planted in that desire to pray. And that's something over the summer we haven't been doing it just because we had to run services later and wanting to honor our leaders and all of that commitment. In the fall, we're kicking off. It's We're praying again. We're praying um, my hope is that we can extend it. My hope is that it just ends up being something that we just value and we look and we say this is powerful, it's impactful. So I'd say we got to pray. I'd say we got to be willing to inconvenience ourselves. And I'd say it starts with the youth pastor inconveniencing themselves. Um, I, I don't say this as a knock. This is not all youth pastors. I do think there are some though where it's like, man, like life's busy, family's busy, things are going on. Just can't do everything I wish I could. And it's like, hey, I get that. You need to have a healthy life. You need to have balance. But if something matters, it just matters. And you fight to make it happen. And I think that there's a lot of times in youth ministry that you'll have people that look and they say, well, I want to see this happen, but I can't do it. So I'm going to put the weight on other people. If you are not willing to administer the weight yourself, then you should not expect other people to do it. Like that would be one of the things for like myself when it comes to like like student leadership, for example, I ask no one to guarantee to help us with it. I I put zero weight on any of our leaders to say, you must be here. We must see this happen. Mm-hmm. I look and just say, hey, if you're free and want to join us, you totally can. If I'm the only person helping lead it, we'll do it. Why? Because I see the weight and the reason for it, but it's unfair for me to look at other people and say, you have to see this weight. The funny thing is, is usually when you step in as a leader and you look and you say, I'm going to show I value this weight, you have people that step in and say, hey, how can I help take some of that weight away? Because mm-hmm. they see the benefit of it. They see why that's a thing that's happening. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one of the things we got to be willing to inconvenience ourselves. Like, you know, it's a very like, uh, <laughs> it's like the like toxic masculinity thing to say of just like, you know, hey, we just got to like. We got to grind it out and see stuff happen. Like, come on, everybody. Like, and that's where it's not just toxic to me asking anything. It's just like a person thing. Cause like for men or women, but like, I do think there's times youth ministries like that and it's not kill yourself doing it, but like, you know, 
do more. <laughs> we can take more, I think, than we expect oftentimes. And then we look at kids and we ask them to do more and we get frustrated with them, but we're not willing to push ourselves to the level we're asking them to push themselves to. Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at kids and we're saying, realize you could reach your schools and then you're not doing anything outside of Sunday and Wednesdays, right? Like things like that. We have to have that drive within it. Um, we have to have a high value for character and within our youth ministries. Like I think there are a lot of youth ministries who have looked for a long time and they've wanted to be nice and they've wanted to be good. So they've looked to their leaders and they've kind of just been like, hey, thank you for serving. We had the need. We're so thankful for you. Be here, be here, be there. I personally think it's one of those things where it's like, no, this is one of the most valuable things and we need to guard it. And we need to say, hey, if you, in all honesty, are not making the cut and being a person of character and integrity and being a person that has a conviction to represent God well, we love you. Find another spot to serve because there's amazing, great spots you can serve. We need to guard that better. Like, We end up oftentimes looking at youth ministry and saying like, hey, it's like the dumping ground of just like any willing body and stuff like that. And a willing body is amazing, but an unhealthy, toxic body does not need to be around kids who are dealing with a toxic and hurting culture already. So I think that's one of the things we need to guard that better. I think we need to dive into the Bible with our kids more. Kids can take it. They want to know it. I think a lot of kids get to college and the reason they fall away from faith is because people walk up and they ask them a hard question. They look and they say, hey, why in Deuteronomy does it – This is actually, no, this is a question people would ask. Hey, why in the Old Testament – that would be the way they would word it, but it's in Deuteronomy. Does it seem like God condones genocide? You should, you should let your kids know about that and we should talk about it. Yeah. So they have an understanding of like, hey, let's talk about this book. Let's talk about the fact that this book, you know, it says it's written by Moses, but it might have had some other influences added into it. And it might be them trying to speak to the way that they operated in hindsight and some things like that. Let's talk about it. Why is this? Well, why is that okay in the Bible? Because God used people and people mess up. Yeah. And it's like just one of these things that we look and we like, we went through judges. I've talked about this before on the podcast. Like we went through judges as a youth ministry, some jacked up stuff in judges. Samson is not someone to look up to one of actually like one of my pet peeves is like in like, like in, I feel like in kids ministry and also youth ministry, it's like, be like Samson. Like God's going to make you strong, be set apart. That dude freaking didn't walk to honor God a day in his life except when he thought his hair was going to get cut off. Like, he didn't care. And then when he wanted to walk with God, it was so he could kill a bunch of people. Woo. Good guy. Um, You know, Gideon, it's like, hey, we're going to put out a fleece and we're going to test this. Gideon wanted God to fail. That is the moral of the story. Is he kept looking. He had an angel appear before him. Parker, if an angel appeared before us in this room right now and said, you guys need to go sell everything you have because I'm going to do something amazing, we would look and guess what I bet we would do? I think we'd go do it. Because <laughs> an angel appeared before us. And we would say, that's enough for me to know God's with us. <laughs> and like, we look at this and we look at these passages in scripture and say, like, hey, let's <laughs> teach these kids the Bible. Let's give them the depth. Why? Because they're going to be adults and they're in a deep world that's looking at them and challenging them with very real things. Yeah. That was a lot of stuff. Those are some of the things. I'm very passionate about this. (laughs) I can tell. Yeah. I think also one thing is that I think 
I, I don't remember if we've mentioned this in other podcasts, but I think that um, youth ministries do not, or some youth ministries do not value the overall community as the, of the entire church. Hundred percent. And I think that when you're uh, preparing kids to step out of high school and into adulthood, going to um, college or wherever, even if they're staying, if they're not taught to um, value the whole community of your whole church body, they're out of youth ministry. They're out of what they cared about. And so they just lose touch with the church, I think. 100%. And I think that like, um, I don't know. I think that that's, I think a ton of kids go to college and then don't know what to look for in a church because they've never really had to think about it, which that's normal. But like they're, they, they never have been taught to, you know, care about community. Like their youth ministry never really put a focus on going to main service or like, I, like I, I always thought this as a kid, like I always thought it was in some ways weird that like, the youth ministry I went to in a lot of ways was just a mini church within a church. And it was like, I thought it was kind of, but it is like, I'm, it makes sense to me why, how we got there in a lot of ways, because youth ministry, it's like this weird phase in kids growing up where they're like, they're old enough to understand a lot of things. Um, but at the same time, like they're they're not adults yet either, and and this kind of trans- goes into what I'm going to say next is I think we as youth ministries need to like address hard questions, and I think there's a lot of times this is really just a church thing in general, but uh, youth ministries as well like they don't you know I think there's a lot of skipping around hard questions. Um, but then we'll act like we're talking about hard questions because we talk about stuff like porn. Right. Like, that's one of those things where, like, we'll look and we'll be like, yeah, like, we're going to talk about sex and porn and about not doing drugs, everybody. And it's like, hey, we're, like, good. I'm not saying don't have those conversations. Yeah. Good conversations. But then, like, a kid's sitting there and they're like, they're like, hey, so somebody I know doesn't know Jesus and they die. Right. They go to hell. There's more hard questions than just porn related ones. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like, even like, I, well, like I like this is also goes into a side thing. Like I I think we um, need to value not just apologetics, but just like learning how like why we believe what we believe outside of just the Bible. Totally. And the Bible is like a huge percentage of it. Percentage of it, obviously, but like helping prep kids for the questions that either they will inevitably come to or. Um, or will be asked of them later on in their life rather than like addressing those questions before they go instead of like pretending they don't exist. Totally. Like, like at, when I was a kid, like I appreciated that we had several Q and a, um, sessions where people could text in anonymously and ask whatever question they want. Another thing is like, I feel like, um, we need to be okay with saying, I don't know. Oh, hundred percent. And I think 
there's a lot, I think there's a lot of times where not just youth pastors, like youth leaders too, or, or just Christians in general, where we feel like we need to know the answers to everything. And we, but we at the same time don't go through the process of trying to figure out those answers preemptively. And so we just, you know, fill in what we can in terms of like trying to formulate some sort of an answer instead of yep. just saying, I don't know. Well, it's like Jesus, he has the disciples ask and they say, Hey, when are you going to return? And he says, only the father knows. Yeah. It's not for you to know the time and hour and all these things. We look, we're like, well, what the frick man? Yeah. So you're saying you don't know the answer. He's like, yeah, you don't need to know it. Yeah. And like, there's such a interesting thing. Like it would be weird for me to go up to my parents and people can debate this, but it would be weird for me to like go to my parents and just be like, hey, I just wanted to ask, like in the last 10 years, how much money have you made? <laughs> They'd look at me and be like, like if, like if I walked up to, like if I walked up to you even, and I was like, hey, just can I see your tax forms from the last yeah. few years? You'd be like, Caleb, that's, that's none of your business. <laughs> now, it's different if I walked up to you and said, hey, like, How's stuff been going financially? You guys doing well? You guys being able to pay your bills? You guys making yeah. through stuff? You know, you honor your tithe. It, it's different. I don't know the nitty gritty of how you got there. Yeah. But I'm asking you, hey, in general, is stuff going good, right? Yeah. Like my parents, like, hey, like, there's years I knew that we were struggling, right? And that kind of a reality. But I wasn't walking in being like, hey, not much money's coming in this month, huh? Right? Like, that's not that's not for me to know. That was for my mom and dad to know and for them to uh-huh. help lead us through. And I think there's stuff within our faith that we look at. And again, like in youth ministries, we act like we have to be like these all-knowing people. Pastors, we got to know everything. We got to know everything. No, some stuff like, hey, why did that person not get healed? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, yeah. I don't know. Like my, my, uh, my grandpa um, had MS. My grandma and grandpa, they both had MS. My grandpa got to a point where he couldn't lift his head up and he was in his wheelchair and he just looked down all the time and things like that. And he went to a service. There was a pastor praying for healing and, uh, they were, they were hoping, you know, he was going to be fully healed. And at one point the pastor says, Hey, everyone, I need you to look up at me. And my grandpa in that moment, he looks up his neck had no strength. The muscle was not able to work, looks his head up. And until the day he passed away, he was able to the day pastor was able to always lift his head. I don't know why he wasn't able to stand up that day. I know that God still met him in some way. Mm-hmm. And God was still good even if he wasn't met in that moment, right? Right. And like, it's just, it's a mystery. You know, you have it where we end up, and then you have people that like, they'll change theology. Youth pastors do this a lot. Like we choose to change our theology and the way we view scripture, the way scripture's written, partly, to make it more comfortable for people. Mm-hmm. Like, and we don't need to go into the depths of it, but like there's things like, hey, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or we're talking about spiritual gifts and things like that. And you have somebody, they're like, I, I have a pure heart. I have a good heart. I'm pursuing it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Why am I not getting it? And like we have these times that we look to people and then we just start to kind of change it. We're like, well, no, like you actually, and it's like, hey, Jesus looked at the disciples. He said, go and wait in the upper room. They waited weeks. They're terrified, worried they're going to get pulled into the streets and killed. They wait for weeks, probably turned into a fast. And they're up there waiting, waiting, waiting every day, probably every hour, probably like, when's the spirit going to be here? When's the spirit going to be here? When's the spirit going to be here? 
and then they ultimately receive. Guess what they didn't look and do after a week say, oh, I guess it doesn't work. They just said, God, I'm going to trust you and I'll wait on you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I use that as an example, again, just to say there's some stuff for students where like, just like you're saying, we don't need to have all the answers. No. Because when we make up answers that are outside of what scripture has, they find out. Why? Because they get older and hopefully they do what you told them to do and read their Bible. Yeah. Well, that and they just have, I feel like, I feel like for some reason, especially J hires and high schoolers have like such an intense radar for BS. Oh, I don't know why that is, but like they just do. And so I feel like it's so much better and so much more beneficial to be genuine and say, I don't know, but I'll try to find out and I'll do some research because I haven't really thought about it. Exactly. And just be genuine about that and just be like, yeah, I don't know for sure. But there are some things that like my, my mom and I have had a lot of conversations about that go similar to this, but like where, like when I was in high school or really just most of my life, I ask a lot of questions, but um, like uh, where I'll try to get into the nitty gritty of some sort of question that I had or whatever it is. And like it, and a lot of times those conversations end up being like, you know, I don't know because like, I don't know the um, reasoning God has behind things. I don't know this, but I know what God's done in my life. Yeah. And I know this is how he's shown up for me in all these times in my life, as well as on the cross and what is like definitively been done already. And like, um, and so I think in some ways we get caught up so much in the nitty gritty that it becomes like this pivot point of our walk with Christ when like we, and it distracts us from like what's already been done. Yep. And like, that's something I had to work through. And I think, and I think just being genuine and being willing to say, I don't know. And like, there's some questions I've had that I've just had to come to that point too, where it's like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll find out when I go to heaven one day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I know what God's done in my life totally. and I can stand on that. Totally. Yeah. On that note, I think we're at a good spot. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really know what our conclusion statement is, but. Dude, I, I would say. Well, I'd I mean, say we're yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, maybe, maybe an in, in summation would be along the lines of, yes, we should still have youth ministries because the need is so great, mm-hmm. but we need to realize the weight of what it is and we need to seek to genuinely build communities that are focused around the Bible, focused around prayer, focused around what the Holy Spirit wants to do and letting that community build out based off the people we have in front of us. Word. Word. (laughs) Well, with that being said then y'all, thank you guys so much for checking out this podcast. Hey, we appreciate you listening to it. If uh, you found it beneficial, we just want to ask, you know, maybe text it to a friend. Maybe somebody you're like, hey, they would like to listen to this. If you guys could send it over there. You guys, I found out you can rate stuff on Spotify now. I was going to say, like, you've been saying for, like, weeks 
that you can't rate stuff on Spotify. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure you can. So rate and <laughs> review on Spotify and on Apple if you can. Share it with a friend. You guys, we really appreciate you guys checking this out. And also uh, follow us on Instagram if you want to. We would love to be able to DM back and forth with you a little bit if you have any questions, comments, things like that or questions you want us to talk on. So yeah, with that bro. being said, my name's Caleb. And my name is Parker. And we'll see you guys next time. See y'all.